On this week's episode, DC sets its future. Moviegoers hear a knock at the cabin, and D&D reverses its course. All that and more as we once again reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that magical five star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos Game Source. Inside Sports Fantasy Football, where we will be covering the Super Bowl on our next episode there. The Lakers fast break, and we've had many episodes that we've done this week and looking forward to doing a few more before the week is out. So check out the latest news and information on the NBA and the Los Angeles Lakers at the Lakers fast break. Vampires and Vitae, the best tabletop RPG action can be found associated with the Pop Culture Cosmos, and it starts with Vampires and Vitae also as well. Wild Beyond a Witchlight, part of Wizards and Wine, our Demolition Force, which you can now catch in the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. But I'll tell you what, there is no better thing that you can do than going ahead and subscribing today to Wizards and Wine and Vampires and Vitae. Plus also, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us at all these great entities, check out popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook is always around covering the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day. So much during the day, everything gets posted right there. All the news and updates at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And if you can do all that, and if you can support all that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without the legend herself and my good friend, she is back once more for some toil and trouble, as they say, bubble, bubble, toil and trouble, boil and bubble, toil and trouble. <laughs> she is the mastermind behind Vampires and Vitae. I always try to do something to just like throw it in there so I can see if I can rattle her. Also, <laughs> so you got to go ahead and check out what she's doing today at Wizards and Wine with Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Subscribe today because you'll be glad you did. This is my good friend indeed. It is. Melinda Barkhouse-Ross, and Melinda, great to have you back on the show. A lot of big things going on in the world of pop culture. Yeah, it would seem so, and it's not even Oscar announcement week. Exactly, and that's <laughs> something I will touch on, though, here as far as the nominations are concerned with my good friend, Hamanish Goel. He's upset that RRR didn't get some more love, so he's going to tell us why that's a shame was also another Bollywood movie in the mix right now that's a big hit. He'll mention that in our upcoming interview. Plus also as well, we're going to be talking about D&D. Melinda has got a final stamp on what <laughs> is going to be this discussion on Dungeons & Dragons. We've been updating you this drama that's played out as D&D sought to make some big changes. And the brushback from the community... It looks like the community has won, but Melinda's got a lot to say before we talk, before, you know, before we finally put a period on this, she's got a lot to talk about this D&D finally changing course and seeing the light. That's coming up in a bit. Plus, knock. Do you hear that? That's a knock at the cabin right there for you. That's Dave Bautista talking and the latest movie from M. Night Shyamalan. Will it return to a period of success for M. Night? We'll talk about if Knock at the Cabin is getting the love that an M. Night Shyamalan movie used to get. And we'll talk about that on the show as well. But first, my friend, it is something that we talked about that 
had to come under the wire, and it did by just barely the last day of the month in January, and that was James Gunn announcing the future of what DC properties will be going forward. He talked about it in detail. Let me give everybody a little bit of a breakdown of what's going on. Of course, for this year, the DCEU will finally start to finish off with Shazam, Fury of the Gods, The Flash, with Flashpoint or whatever you want to call it. Most likely it's going to stay The Flash. Blue Beetle, which doesn't get talked about enough, which could end up being really cool. And Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom heading out to theaters before the end of this year. In 2024, you got Joker, which is still being filmed right now with Fale Adu with Joaquin Phoenix and, of course, Lady Gaga. Constantine 2, which also, like Blue Beetle, has almost been forgotten about, but it is a return to Constantine for Keanu Reeves. That one I'm excited about, but that's also coming up in 2024. And then the DCEU turning into a DCU, the stuff I mentioned previously, those, for the most part, were Elseworlds. Elseworlds is the label for anything that's not part of the DCEU or the DCU, as they're calling it, going forward. And this was coming up here is creature commandos is an animated series that's going to still be listed in the dcu and waller this series it's a hbo max series that's going to star viola davis in the role she's been so famous for amanda waller that's coming out at the end of 2024 in 2025 we finally start seeing what james gunn's imagining of the DCU, what will be is at first off Superman Legacy minus Henry Cavill. That will be first up on the list. In a strange move, they're putting after a DCU film, they're still returning you to an Elseworlds film with the Batman Part 2, which is not directly in line to what James Gunn's DCU will be all about. Then you have a DCU Max series called Lanterns, based off the Green Lantern series, featuring a couple different lanterns this time around. And then you have Paradise Lost, another HBO Max series in the DCU. That's coming out as well in 2025. 2026 has The Authority, which is that's going to be DCU film. That's a collection of superheroes destined that are convinced and destined to try and change the world uh, in what they believe is a better frame of mind. That's coming up in 2026. Then the Brave and the Bold, a new re-envisioning of the Batman for the DCU. Then Booster Gold, a DCU Max series. Then in 2027, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, and Swamp Thing are new DCU movies in 2027. And by the way, everyone, we're going to be taking a quiz at the end of class for this on that, after all that. So you got <laughs> <laughs> to remember which are James Gunn's DCU movies, which are just DC extended universe stuff, and which are Elseworlds stuff. So it's really kind of confusing still. I don't think that they've made a lot of headway as far as the clarity in how they are shaping the future forward for the DCU or DCU or Elseworlds or whatever they're going to call it going forward. DCU, let's just go ahead and cut right through the chase. My question to you, Melinda, is after seeing the list, after hearing the list of what they got planned out to 2027, I'm sure they got a lot of things that they're working on beyond that. But right now, it's still a lot of the old mixed in with some of the new. Yeah. And it's, I don't, I almost, I almost feel a little offended by what they're keeping and what we know they've thrown into the trash. And I just feel like we're getting shorted somehow. And this hasn't even started. Like I said, the, I, do, I, do, I don't envy uh, James Gunn and what he's trying to do with the DC universe. But the only thing on that list, aside from Constantine 2, that I am even intrigued about is Waller. After that, I mean, I, I don't know that I'm interested in seeing a Joker musical to be honest, not really Paradise sure about loss in 2025 is going to be a movie based on the home Island 
for Wonder Woman, but 5,000 years or thousands of years before she was born. It's going to be a Game of Thrones type of series that's set well before the birth of Wonder Woman. So it's not even going to include her in that series. So we don't know exactly what the future will be for Gal Gadot. James Gunn has said that Gal Gadot will be a part of it, but he doesn't know how yet. And that's still a concern. We talked about Henry Cavill. You're very disheartened to see Henry Cavill no longer a Superman in this mix. We've talked about how Ben Affleck has hit the road and somehow Ezra Miller still remains. And that I th- and maybe I'm just having some twisted up feelings about that because with everything that has gone down with Ezra Miller, uh, you know, that's the actor that you decide to keep out of all of the actors that you had lined up with either movies in pre-production or movies in post-production or movies completed and waiting for their release dates. Like, I don't know, just something there's some, I'm, I'm uneasy about it and I can't quite put my finger on why. I, I mean, it looks, it looks very uh, nice on a, on a chart now that James Gunn can go ahead and, and be able to show it to you there in a form as far as what the DC universe will look like going forward from 2023 to 2027 but to a general audience even to us we've got to remind ourselves is this something that's going to be something part of the future is this character going to be a part of the future is this actor or actress going to be a part of the future and that's one of the things that james gunn did stretch uh uh, did james gunn did uh, stress is that whatever characters you will see in the dcu will also be involved as far as if it's a video game, if it's an animated feature, if there that's going to be the same character, the same actor or actress with that same voice, with that same presence in every property that they do going forward. And they're all going to try to mix them together, including the gaming, which I thought was a real nice touch, that they're going to include DC gaming into the DCU mix. We've seen a little bit of that in Star Wars and have not yet seen it in the MCU, but yeah, to right now, to for the, the general audience member at large, it's really going to be confusing going forward exactly what's part of what they need to see and what's something that they just would like to see because it's really cool. Yeah, and I think that one of the, the things that James Gunn, I think, was able to do really well with Marvel was tell each of these stories and each one of them have an independent uh, kind of storyline but then there's still that overarching arc that goes and ties everything together including the tv shows yeah and i mean obviously all we can do right now is speculate about whether or not he's going to be able to do it with dc but you know when you have materials that you have to deal with because you're coming in and this stuff is already done and you're trying to restart or even jumpstart to save the life of DC as in terms of movies, it feels like sometimes you just have to wonder, gosh, like what, what are we missing? What are we not seeing? What is, I just, something is amiss, Gerald. I'm telling you, I just feel like something is funny here and I don't know exactly what it is. But like I said, there's very little on this list that I'm excited about. There's very little on the list that I'm interested in. And I love me some Batman and I love me some Superman. So I'm a little underwhelmed, I guess, is the bottom line. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA... Check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. I'm just confused, to be honest with you, as far as how they place these things on the movie. Not just anything relating to the past. They just didn't, they should have just finished or thrown on HBO Max and just be done with it ASAP. Yes. And then start with your phase one gods and monsters which is what they're titling it this is phase one is called gods and monsters as far as this whole from now to 2027 so that's great and all sounds awesome that you're trying to emulate yourself now after marvel which you've 
uh, DC and Warner Brothers has not done well over the course of many years. They've, right. they've tried and made attempts to, but it's never really worked out that way. But I'm glad it's more structured now. But even if that's the case, I would have just for all those other properties, all those Elseworld properties or those DCEU stuff that you've got lined up that you're still going through with that's not directly related to the DCU, but it kind of is. It just, to me, really says, you know what? You really don't have a great amount of control yet in what you need to do because there's all these other things around that you still have to take care of from the previous people in charge that they had. I would just, again, I just get rid of all that ASAP, just sweep it on the rug, do it ASAP, put a scene at the end of the flash at the very tail end of all the stuff that you said that just blows it up as far as flashpoint so that you could just reboot it again, fresh instead of what you're trying to do, where you're piecing it all together over the course of three years. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the patchwork approach that is really kind of not sitting quite right with me. They could have finished all of these projects and said, you know, this, all of this, the new DCU is going to go into effect with the movies we start to release in 2025. And I wouldn't even announce them. I would have not even announced them until you're done with all this other stuff. A hundred percent. And, and I would have gone back and and some of the movies would have been sloppy because I'm telling you right now, I would have been pushing projects through just to get them onto the screen and get them off of my docket. And I would have started over with the, the, (laughs) JGDCU <laughs> uh, uh, in 2025. I think that if I was James Gunn and had any kind of experience doing this kind of thing, I think that's how I would have approached it. I agree with you. I think the flash should have been the last thing because it gives you with the flashpoint st- story, the flashpoint story. If you read it in the comic book gives you a chance to go ahead and have this one cataclysmic event that would reboot everything just have it go all to black after the flash the flash goes so fast that it just goes to black and then that's and then the end of your movie could have started with a baby being put into a spaceship and a planet blowing up yeah or it, do you know I, what i mean like yeah that's true it could have done that and and just started over from scratch again with whatever you want to do because i have a feeling you're you're trying to plan this out all to 2027 and you and i both know with movie delays and things that happen over the course of time directors pandemics. dropping out pandemics actors dropping in and out i yeah. don't think that is going to be set i have a very little faith that what you see the set that you see to 2027 is going to be done and completed in the way that they want them to be done i mean there's a chance that would happen but i don't give it a big chance so i don't know it just Seems to me that the vision looks nice on a little tweet that's sent out, but when you look behind or look into a little bit closer to what is being presented at you, you just see some things that are going to provide a lot of confusion to a general audience. I agree, and and I think that that's yeah, it, yeah. It, I think you're right. I think Flashpoint at the end, tail end of all of this craziness. And uh, yeah, I mean, you could have you could have set up little flashes of like, yeah, Superman being put into the spaceship, the planet blowing up. You could have had a flash of uh, what happens with Batman's parents. You could have had a flash of, uh, you know, the Amazonians doing their thing. You, you could have done you could have had just like little quick flashes and that could have been your your credit scene and that would have set things up. I agree with you. I think there's yeah. uh, some forethought that wasn't there. I think for all the time that they spent on working this out and planning this out, they needed to do a little bit more planning because the way I see it physically on the books right now is still of concern to me that they, you know, it looks like it's a step in the right direction, but it looks like to me that they still haven't got it right. Yeah, it's just, like I said, I I do, I just feel like something is funny, something is not quite right. There's something that we don't know happening here, I think, anyway. Pure speculation, but. It's very stressful, but if you have thoughts on anything out there in regards to the DC universe upcoming and all the changes being made, please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But before we hit the break, my friend, I wanted to go ahead a little bit more. We've got about 10 minutes before we hit the break, and I wanted to just ask, one by one, 
or is there anything that's outstanding to you that you see that you're really excited about? I said, I said for me, Constantine too, because I thought Constantine wasn't a bad film and I'm seeing Keanu Reeves embracing the role again is it's to me a welcoming sight. Uh, I think that what they could do to make it a better time around is, is I think to me much appreciated. And when it comes to that, I think that's probably the one I target the most that I would like to see the most. What's the one movie I think that you would want to see the most out of the slate? It's it's so unoriginal, but I, I'm with you on Constantine too. I think that, uh, you know, the, the Constantine movie may not have been favored when it originally came out, but uh, I think in retrospect, people have started to appreciate the movie. Yeah. I know whenever Robbie and I come across it, uh, it's one of those movies that we always find ourselves coming back to over and over and over again. So, uh, I mean, and I know how much uh, Keanu, well, I don't personally, but he, Keanu Reeves has said in interviews, that's the correct way to put it. Fellow Canadian. <laughs> right. And I just feel like you know, he's been championing this movie and he's been wanting to make a sequel to Constantine. He's been saying that for years. So I'm thrilled that he gets the opportunity to do it. And I'm thrilled that we get the opportunity uh, to finally be able to see him reprise the role. I think I don't think we're going to be disappointed. Was he as excited to make the return to the Matrix? I don't think he was excited to make return to the Matrix. Okay. If he was, then he was in on the joke and he knew why that entire movie was even bothered to be made. I think our joke, as far as our commercial soundbite for that, is probably better than anything that we saw in that film. I mean, I mean, it it had uh, it had some work to do, that's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. But you know, when you've got things on the slate, such as Joker, Folly Adieu, uh, you've got Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Those are sequels to $1 billion movies. The few successes that the DCEU, the Snyderverse actually had, or anything, even the Joker, you can't say is, is part of the Snyderverse because it's its own film. So I, I don't know. It just seems to me, you know, what they're associating as a DC extended universe film or project as opposed to Elseworlds, which is something that they're also associate it's like three different groups which is very confusing and to me it's just that uh, i don't know are they going to continue this else worlds i know the dceu part of it might be a little bit suspect as well what are they going to continue is it eventually just going to be just the dcu that's what i'm concerned about i mean because matt reeves talks about him doing a trilogy of batman movies so if we're only at batman 2 which is an Elseworlds film in 2025. Does it mean that there's going to be a Batman three in 2027 or 2028? I think it means that James Gunn isn't going to touch Batman until 2029. I think he's going to allow whatever happens in these Batman movies to happen. And then we'll see Batman come eventually. No, but he has Batman in the brave and the bold. Yeah, I just, uh, but I, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it is going to be confusing. It's going to be not a whole lot of fun and it's going to be a struggle for DC fans to remain DC fans. I think at I least agree. when it comes to, you know, the big screen and the small screen, not so much the comics, that's always been great, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very puzzled. I'm very confused. You and I both, and I know if we're the pop culture experts, what happens when you've just got the general audience out there trying to figure this all out? They don't even have time for all this figuring out and they don't really care. Is it just a good movie or is it a bad movie? Right. The, the thing is the MCU, what the MCU does well, whether it's a good project or a bad project is that they all tie in with each other so that at some point in time in your life, you probably are best suited to go ahead and check it out. So you understand the overarching story and how it connects with these characters before it comes to a culmination or a head point like we saw with Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Yeah. With DC, I don't see that's right now. Even looking at this landscape, I don't know how this all ties in together and if it's going to tie in together very well. I guess maybe what I need to what I need to hear is who they're going to get to play Superman and who they're going to get to play Batman. Um, once the three movies with uh, the sparkly vampire are all done. Sorry, I blanked on his name. Robert Pattinson. I'm sorry. I blanked on his name. 
That's okay. Uh, <laughs> my good friend, my good friend in Australia, Ben Arnaud, who's admittedly loves pop culture, but is also bad at names. Yeah, that's what he calls them: sparkly, <laughs> uh, brooding. Yeah, yeah. You know, Twilight. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, I'm sure he's heard it before, so no worries. <laughs> but I just want to know that one last thing we can talk about before we hit the break, and that is when it comes to the DCU. What do you want out of it? What do you want to see happen or what do you want to see change that will give you better thoughts on what the DCU will be going forward? Well, I guess you got to look at what DC does well in the comics. And to me, this may end up being a hot take and I don't intend it to be, but as, and I'm not an avid comic book reader. I am a passive comic book reader. I pick up, you know, a few books out of a series here and there. So, but from what I have read and understand of DC comic books, um, they, they do like a darker tone um, Mm -hmm. than let's say guardians of the galaxy. So I hope we don't try to force uh, more humor into like Batman and Superman and wonder woman, other than those moments where you have that like dark humor, I guess that can creep into those movies. As long as the movies just follow the comic. I mean, the stories are written. I don't, why is it so difficult? What do I want to see? I want to see them stay true to the source material and I want them to do it in a way that fans get excited about. And I want them to, um, you know, take the criticism from fans and do better, finally, um, instead of giving us sometimes these seemingly half-baked ideas. It seems to be what we get a lot. And it's really disappointing and really frustrating. And I want to know the other successes that James Gunn oversaw I know that that Peacemaker or the Peacemaker crew, I don't know if John Cena directly will be involved. I'm sure he'll be directly somewhat involved with Waller, that HBO Max series when it comes out in 2024. How much? I'm not sure of, but there was no announcement of a Peacemaker season two. And back in the day when it was going on, it was renewed for season two. So I don't know what the status of it will be going forward. And that is of concern to me. And then when you're talking about, you know, what, what things that you, you reminded yourself that were so great about the DCEU or things that you enjoyed about the DCEU, as far as Gal Gadot, Henry Cavill, for the most part, a lot of people were just really happy to see them in those roles. They're either gone or in the case of Gal Gadot, you don't know where she's going to be ending up. You don't know where she plays into all this. And you don't know if she's going to be able to get another chance to even be a part of what's going on, because I don't see if you're not going to include her at all in paradise Lost. If you, if you say it takes place thousands of years before she was born, as I believe what was stated, then there's no room for Gal Gadot until 2027 and that's going to be an issue I think a lot of people have is that a lot of people got invested in these characters. And for the most part, outside of what we see with Aquaman and maybe the Flash, that most of these characters will be no more. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, again, I said the actors playing the characters. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, again, that's a that's another thing that is uh, surprising and feels I'm going to say heartless, but I feel like that's being a little bit dramatic about it. (laughs) Ruthless, perhaps, is a better description. But you know what I'm going to do for now? I am going to keep the scene of Wonder Woman stepping onto uh, the battlefield and just knocking bullets out of the air with her uh, her bracelets. I'm going to keep that vision in my brain. I'm going to keep every moment of the Superman movies with Henry Cavill that I enjoyed. I'm going to keep those like at top of mind as much as I can. And I'm going to do what I always try to get people to do when they announce these big movie changes. And that is to just give it a chance. We don't even know who's going to be playing in these roles right now. And maybe James Gunn is going to come up with a better answer. What about even the Suicide Squad, which was a great critical hit for him? What's the future for them? 
yeah, there, there's a there's a lot of really uh, wide open questions right now, and uh, it's possible now that uh, he, once he starts working on phase one, which you said is called Gods and Monsters, maybe yes. once we get past that, then we're, we'll start to see a little bit more of Suicide Squad and, and things like that. It's possible that we need to go through this first phase to really sit down and, and have a good look at some of these villains and then see them pulled together again in a Suicide Squad kind of movie. I don't know. I'm spitballing. I'm just throwing ideas out there, trying to figure out where he could possibly be going with this. I don't blame you a bit. But yeah. what are your thoughts out there on the first phase, Gods and Monsters, of the DCU, the end of the DCU eventually, and Elseworlds? That's also movies and projects that are not exactly directly tied into the DCU, but hey, they're still part of the money-making machine known as Warner Brothers and HBO Max and HBO and DC and all that. So what are your thoughts out there on the future of the DCU? Are you happier about James Gunn's announcements about the future and the direction of the DCU, or do you already miss the Snyderverse? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But coming up next, it is Hamanish Goel talking about the RRR, lack of selections and nominations at the Academy Awards outside of one. So he'll talk about that. Plus also the hit movie Pathan has been gaining some box office records worldwide. So he'll mention that briefly as well. And after that, it is Melinda Barkhouse Ross and I talking about a knock at the cabin. Plus also <laughs> as well. D&D changing course and what damage has it done for D&D so we'll talk about that coming up after the break this is the PCC Multiverse if you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there the stuff that you played with as a kid hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really truly defined who we are and you gotta check out season one of action figure adventure Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love Action Figure Adventure. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Thanks so much for watching and listening. It is RRR, the movie, the spectacle, the three-hour music video that I called it, that is just seemingly not going away. The controversy for this film because of the outrage and uproar that a lot of people have that the film, probably the one of the few films that uh, has a lot of people uh, mad that it did not get a Best Picture Oscar nomination. I have seen the film and uh, I have some thoughts on it extended and I know this guest as well. I said it on the friday show that i thought he would be upset and he is it did get nominated for best song so it is still a chance for the representation of a film from uh, bollywood in india so we'll see what happens as far as his thoughts are concerned it is hamanish goel returning on the show and hamanish thanks so much for watching and being a part of what we do here at the pop culture cosmos thanks so much for returning to us here today your thoughts on RRR not getting the love? Uh, I have seen it uh, in recent days. Uh, it is a movie, a spectacle. Uh, I called it a three-hour music video. Uh, it is a little light on substance. Uh, I think that it is a very cinematic and very picturesque film. Uh, a film with uh, two very charismatic leads uh, that I think have a great future in the business, entertainment, whether it's in their home country or whether it's going to be somewhere else in Hollywood or otherwise. I think uh, a lot of entertainment uh, industries are looking at those two as far as heading up some things outside of the uh, Indi country of India. So I know that they've been going around the award season uh, and uh, a lot of people have in Hollywood have gained interest as far as them and future projects, which usually happens off the buzz of a really highly acclaimed and, and somewhat popular film as this one is. Your thoughts on RRR uh, not getting the love from Oscar? Your thoughts on uh, getting the best song, which, of course, as a is a very musically laden film with heavy action and heavy music. I'm glad it at least got something. 
I thought cinematography might have worked as well, but it didn't get the love for that. Yeah. Your thoughts on RRR getting not much love from the Oscars? It was definitely less of the expectations of what we thought. Um, it it did really well in India. It did really well in other areas. And um, to see that other lot of people were nominating it for what it was meant to what the deliverance or whatever the directors in envision was they might have done some wrong in not nominating it for the best picture category or even the um cinematography or even the costume design i i feel like it was definitely an all-around better like it, it was definitely india's sort of parasite that whether or not it would win at least it could have gotten nominated um but and, and, more and, than I, that, and they, I, I agree with you as far as I want to add that in there. The costume design was really uh, uh, good and were very well done. And one of the uh, things you could take away from it on how well it's done. Overall, it's uh, earned 49 victories as far as awards in the award season and 125 nominations. So that's really nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, that's nothing. That That's pretty, that's a good amount of wins and nominations as well. I mean, even if they just nominated them, that would have just been well enough to be like, okay, we're on the right track. But mm -hmm. it felt like they were nominating more of the films like the Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, films that did well, which deserved to be nominated, and films that just seemed a bit skeptical of being nominated. I mean, everything, everywhere, all at once was good, but I think they overboarded that a little bit. Um, mm, I have to disagree with you there. It's the, for me, it was the best movie experience oh, by wow. far in 2022 and blew away RRR or anything else that I saw from that was released during that time period. Oh. I have to strongly disagree with you on that Easy. one. You're barking, up, you're barking up the wrong tree here, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, RRR is still a very good film nonetheless, and uh, you know, obviously has an argument for it. And uh, I think that it's a very visualistic and, and stylistic film. It's it's not heavy on the substance, but it is very heavy on the style. Yeah. Which mm. nominee do you think didn't deserve to be nominated? As I mentioned on Friday, I didn't think Avatar. Avatar to me is not a best picture. Avatar: The Way of Water. Okay. That that. That, uh, you know, it's very, again, another special effects, very visually late yeah. movie, uh, but it got okay reviews when it came out, uh, It, but people still gravitate towards it. Obviously, it's earning a tremendous amount of money, earning now around $2.1 billion and still going strong. It's, yeah. it's uh, got an international uh, following that uh, is probably not matched by any IP that's out there. Yeah. But as far as a, a, a film that I think uh, has some meat and some substance to it, I, I think just by the fans here in the United States, people are like, love it or, or leave it when it comes to this film. I just think there's so much uh, divisiveness on this film here in the States that I think that is a film that, uh, you know, overall with critics and, and whatnot, I just don't think it was thought of as well yeah. as, as, as its predecessor although it's still thought of as a good film, but it wasn't the blow away movie. I yeah. think that uh, a lot of people were hoping it would be That's with uh, the original avatar itself. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't blow, it didn't blow you away from your seat than what it did in like 2009 to what yeah. they had showed. So. Yeah. So okay. I'd say our because... could have easily replaced that and, and they would have had no problem with it. That's true because I, I I saw the Fablemans and I cannot disagree with that one being really good. Um, well, um, the Fablemans was uh, okay. That one was running a little bit too long, as I mentioned on the Friday show. Uh, some of the scenes were dragged out a little bit, but you know when it's Steven Spielberg and his life story or the story of when he was young put there on celluloid, yeah. essentially replace Fableman with Spielberg uh, into the movie. There's no way the, that the uh, Oscar contingent is going to pass up on that because of you know how much sway the name Spielberg has in Hollywood. So that obviously uh, had uh, very little chance of not making it as a nomination. Top Gun Maverick, that one's just the feel good. Everybody seems to be so nostalgic for it. It has yeah. such great visuals itself. I, I, 
I'm saying that probably would have made it, even though my my co-host Melinda, she didn't care for it as much uh, as others, but she still liked it, but didn't think it was a worthy, like Avatar, didn't think it was worthy of a Oscar nomination. All the other David. films are, are probably pretty representative of the nominations that they've got. Because they had like some Irish one from the Irish of the yeah, the Banshees, two... uh, yeah, the Banshees of Incheon, which is a very well acted movie, one of the best well acted movies I've seen. That and and everywhere all everything everywhere all at once were just tremendously acted. Four very gifted actors are part of this. Uh, the movie gets dark, super dark at the end, uh, but I think that the acclaim that this film has got has been just deserved. So it is, it's still available on Netflix if you get a chance to check it out. It is RRR. Mm -hmm. Decide for yourself if it's, if it's something that you think was worthy of Oscar consideration. Again, it has a Best Song nomination, so I, I don't want people to think we're totally dissuading it, but it is something that I think after so many nominations, 125 nominations and 49 wins during the awards season, it's kind of uh, disappointing that a movie like this it's not even a best international feature at Oscars, which I think was also a great disappointment. I think that's the bigger disappointment to me as far as the Casimir Files and RR were both not recognized by the Academy yeah. for either best picture or best international sure picture. Is there a future for Bollywood? Do you think a movie will ever make it as far as a best international? I'm sure best international is something that I yeah. think the, the, the Bollywood industry We'll probably get at some point if they haven't already, because I, off the top of my head, I, I'm forgetting if that's the case, but I'm sure that that day will probably happen if it hasn't already. But do you ever think a movie from Bollywood will ever earn a Best Picture nod at Oscar? Because this, it, I mean, this seemed to be the right time for it. Yeah, this film did seem to be the one that was that it was going to make that huge mark on it. But maybe it might have not, RR might have not made the mark at the Oscars, but it didn't make a mark in people's hearts. Like, I guess when you're looking at the future, I mean, right now, if you talk about box office performance, if there's any film, anyone that people are raging about, it's the, the box office collection for Patan. People are just raging about the action. You know, the director, he's done some pretty good action films. So, I mean, that could probably level the essay of Triple R. Hamanish, it's great to have you here. Looking forward to our next conversation right here in the pop culture cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back at the show. It's the PC Multiverse. Thanks so much to Homanish Goel for his thoughts on RR and Pathan. But also as well, want to go ahead and mention that on Monday, we're going to try and arrange another state of pro wrestling with me and John Orlando talking about the fallout from Royal Rumble and how it leads into WrestleMania. We have some strong thoughts on that. But before we head on out, my friend, wanted to go ahead and talk about, oh, who's that outside your door? It's a knock on the cabin for you because knock at the cabin is now in theaters. Mm -hmm. It is the second biggest movie release so far outside of Megan. I think that this is a movie with M. Night Shyamalan, who likes now putting movies and producing movies that are now shown in January and February. Kind of interesting how he's taken over. But this movie, which has a nice concept about a, a, a family and, and just trying to have a good time, and all of a sudden they get the knock at the cabin, proverbial knock at the cabin. Dave Bautista and Rupert Grant and a couple others are, are there. Four, the four individuals there are saying, you know what? We're here. If you don't do something, if you don't kill one of the uh, family members, if they don't kill one of the family members, doesn't get killed here in the next uh, little bit, apocalyptic things will happen around the world and, and just some tragic things around the world will happen. 
And in true M. Night Shyamalan style, as far as some horrifying things that happened and continue to take place, the reviews aren't kind. <laughs> I'm to get you the meta score in here in a minute. But when you first heard about A Knock of the Cabin, I was excited, to be honest with you, when I first heard about it, because Dave Bautista is starting to really come, out, come, out, come into his own as an actor. But seeing the reviews right around a 62, which isn't horrible, it's okay. But I was hoping for more because he's really not been on a streak of just okay or not that okay as far as movies as of late. He really has not regained the magic that once made him one of the brightest directors in Hollywood. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think that inspiration these days is, well, I'm going to say it can be a little bit hard to come by. And um, the premise of this one seems interesting, but it sounds like perhaps the execution or, or the writing or the script or whatever isn't there to kind of support the initial idea of it. Um, if you can summarize a movie in two sentences and those two sentences are better than the movie, then that's a problem. And that sounds kind of like what's going on here. So that's uh, that's too bad for horror fans. Huh. I mean... And that's a shame because they got off to a good start with Megan, which has mm -hmm. uh, actually captured a nice audience and done some really good things. And a knock at the cabin was going to be something I think that a lot of people were looking forward to because it has that M. Night Shyamalan look and look and feel and i thought that really good things were going to come about it and i'm not saying it's not going to surprise and do well at the theaters and i'm hoping it does because i think that m night Shyamalan needs a hit otherwise hollywood will start to lose some real faith in his abilities as a director which is a shame because around the turn of this century there was a higher echelon a upper echelon of directors and he was directly on that list yeah and i think that directors do you know tend to have well we'll call it a slump you know just like hockey players do goalies go through it centers go through it and this could just be what's happening with with Shyamalan right now oh, i'm hoping that people will still enjoy this I'm not sure if it has the famous M. Night Shyamalan twists. Right. Because that would be something that would still be a part of what he does, but I'm not sure if it does. So you'll have to hear or read or look out for the spoilers on that one, or actually go check out the movie it itself. So hopefully people will go ahead and support this movie. Okay. Reviews or not. Hopefully people will get invested into this because I really would like to see another hit for M. Night. But what are your thoughts about a knock? At the cabin, please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Once again, thanks so much to Kamanish Goel. Again, I've got John Orlando on Monday, and I'm hoping to get Don Fobbs back with the TV report plus TJ Johnson for next week's show. But before we head on out, my friend, wanted to go ahead and give you the floor. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons, aka Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro, which owns the rights to Dungeons and Dragons, they brought out or actually were, got leaked that there's going to be some controversial changes in the fundamental way that they go ahead and support their community, especially from a third party standpoint. And there was such a blowback and cancellations and people enraged and upset and how many people that this was going to affect as far as their, as far as their decision making as far as how financially viable it was for them and how financially unviable it was for everybody else they finally after getting raked over the coals and browbeat for about three weeks i think it took about three weeks yeah so it was two or three weeks yeah after our show aired and dropped of course you know because this always happens after you and i drop a show <laughs> They finally announced on the Friday news dump last week that mm -hmm. they are changing course and are reverting it back to square one to where everybody is happy with it. So A, are you happy? Which I'm pretty sure you are. And B, what are the long-term lasting effects from something like this because of how negatively they were perceived? Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's, there's a few things happening here. So um, they, um, we're supposed to have this survey in place until like the 17th of February. Mm -hmm. And they had such an overwhelming response to it. And it was 
crystal clear through the feedback that they have, which was right around 20,000 or so res- responses to uh, the survey that they had done on D&D Beyond, asking about the OGL licensing and all of that stuff and what they felt or what, you know, the, the fans or hobbyists, uh, I suppose, uh, felt that they uh, liked about it, what they didn't like about it, all of that kind of stuff. And um, it didn't take them until that point to just go ahead and make a decision so they were like okay we're gonna pull the plug on everything you're right we are sorry ogl 1a or bad yeah uh ogl 1a is going to stay in place that's not going to change um in fact what we're going to do is we're going to release even more DD content and we're going to put it under a creative commons license so you can use it too here you go isn't this great i don't make think- good yeah, I, it's not. It's not good enough. Um, this happened in. So this happened. I'm, I've learned a lot in the last three weeks about the last time all of this went down. And they tried not something like this, but something came up in the in the '90s um, that was bad news bears uh, for Wizards of the Coast and whatever it was that they were attempting to change. And um, the community was like, "Well." we can go play a different game now. Uh, and that's when you saw games like Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf, the uh, not the Apocalypse, but uh, the Werewolf games, um, all of that kind of stuff really become uh, a little bit more mainstream when it came to Pathfinder. Your, yeah, when it came to your tabletop games. So there was a broken trust at that point with the D&D community between D&D players and Wizards of the Coast. So I think that that's what's happening again because Pathfinder and uh, uh, sorry, I can't remember the the parent company for Pathfinder. So I'm just going to refer to them as Pathfinder, but there is a larger company behind them. I want to say Piazzo, but I don't think that that's right. Anyway, uh, so Pathfinder and Cobalt Press, they've already sold in two weeks more copies, hard copies of their player's handbooks and their dungeon master guides than they would normally sell in six months. They're completely sold out. So they're like a mad rush. It is Piazo. Piazo? So they've had a mad rush to get to the printer to get a bunch of new books ordered so they can resupply gaming shops and get things like back on Amazon, for example, and uh, other uh, online shops that you would use to to get your gaming Freely publishing, I would imagine. They've had, I'm sure, a pretty big bump up as well since they announced that they were as far as sourcing out their open gaming license. Right. And that that was uh, like an immediate action that you saw from a lot of the third party creators for Dungeons and Dragons when all of this controversy was going on. They were like, listen, we've slashed the prices of all of our content. Here it is in one giant bundle. You're going to get 52 books. Just here, have this and go and play a game. By the way, our open source licensing is fantastic and you're going to love it and you can create things for years and we don't care. We're never going to try to, you know, backdoor you and try to steal your content and make money off of it. We're never going to do that to you. So these third party publishers and third party creators and stuff really took advantage and seized the the opportunity to get a lot of attention from the D&D core fan base. So I think that the uneasy trust that D&D players have had with Wizards of the Coast is shattered again. I don't know what or how they're going to fix it. I don't know what they're going to do. I'm going to keep watching it very, very closely because, I mean, now I have Pathfinder stuff. I have Cobalt Press stuff. I've started to work on a homebrew campaign based on Barrett's Privateers. I don't know if you're familiar with the Sea Shanty from Stan Rogers. Like, so, you know, there's there's a, a lot of people who are, you know, checking out a lot of different lanes right now. And it's all because Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast decided that it was time to implement some rules that had been in place for a very, very long time and really had become part of the fabric of the D&D community. Nobody was mad about uh, Hasbro or Wizards of the Coast wanting to make more money. Nobody has a problem with that because they make more money. Chances are that means we're going to get more content. It's the way that they went about it. What they should be doing is they should be looking at why Cobalt Press is so successful, why the people behind Pathfinder are so successful. What are they releasing? What are they doing that's interesting? Why, why haven't they expanded on their heritage list on D&D Beyond? Why haven't they expanded on the backgrounds that you can play? Why haven't they done things like that consistently? 
um, you know, releasing a, a second player's handbook with more of those options would be great. I know they were trying to do some of that with uh, once uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything came out, they were trying to adjust and play with some rules and stuff like that. And it was really kind of the catalyst for this D&D 1 or 1 D&D um, that they're getting ready to launch here in the next couple of years. But I just, it's a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths and it's going to take a long time um, for, I think, for the ship to get righted again. I'm sticking to it. I'm st- I'm not going to be playing official Wizards of the Coast stuff for a long time. And when October comes and it's time to renew D&D Beyond, I don't know that I'm going to. I'm just going to be watching over the next couple of months, listening and seeing what they're doing and, and what they're saying and how they're saying it. And who they're saying it to is going to be, I think, a, an important piece to this puzzle moving forward as well. And what's so sad is that during the process of all this, uh, we've seen new trailers for the Dungeons & Dragons movie, which I still think will be adversely affected as far as the success of that movie, which is sad because yeah. it looks like it's a pretty fun film. And also as well, a novel came out in the line of Dungeons & Dragons books to crickets. And a lot of that is because of what went on. Nobody wants to go ahead and, and touch that property because of all the bad blood you know, going on at that time. So that novel may have just failed because of what went on with Dungeons and Dragons and the controversy there. But yeah, it might be a lot of people might be leaving the barn after because it's already caught on fire and trying mm-hmm. you know put it out and all by Wizards of the Coast may not be that successful, but. They're still the number one entity. A lot of people will still lean on them going forward. But at least, like you said, this has brought to light a lot of great outlets for people that the tami- that the tabletop RPG gaming community does not start, stop, or end with just D&D. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing stuff about the movie that's not really awesome either. Like, it's a little too self-aware. There's no real immersion in the movie and everybody is dying to see like the, you remember how the princess bride, it cut to the grandfather and the grandson sitting in the bedroom, reading the book. And then they go back into the movie. Yeah. That's what people want to see a D and D movie. Like they want to see a group of people around a table and they want to see those characters brought to life through this wild imagination that happens uh, you know, as a community around this little table. And that's really how people, I think, wanted to see a D&D movie. I'm we not saying... Talked about it. Remember we talked about, that's how I envisioned a series that would be made. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not saying that the movie is bad. I am not saying don't go see it. I'm saying if you are so inclined, please do. It looks like it's going to be a really fun movie. I'm never sad about seeing swords on the big screen. So will I be there to see the movie? Probably not. I personally am going to wait for a streaming service to pick it up. But with my luck, Wizards of the Coast will decide that it's going to only be on D&D Beyond. And it's only going to be behind this big fat paywall or something like that. And and then I just won't see the movie. And I'll just have to make my own, I guess. I will check it out. Numbers. It looks like a fun movie. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's like a... a award-winning movie by any stretch of the imagination yeah no and i don't think anybody expects it to be an award-winning movie either i mean i I think they're going to spend a lot of time cracking jokes at each other it already looks that that way you know just because the cast involved looks like they're just going to you know rip on each other the entire time but maybe that we need some of that at this time that's true uh maybe we uh i don't know i just hope that people are going back to their tables they're sitting back down at their games and uh, they're talking less about this and more about their own adventures. That's what I hope is happening around tables. As do I, my friend. As do I. What are your thoughts out there on this whole D&D controversy? We'd love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, Melinda, it's great having you aboard once again. My fellow co-host in crime. Can't wait till we go ahead and do this again. But before we head on out, got to mention you're doing some great things with Vampires and Vitae and Wizards and Wine with Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Yeah, we're, we're trying to. So my Halifax table for Wizards and Wine, the Wild Beyond the Witchlight, they just crossed over into Tither. They met Nib at Nib's Cave, and uh, they got some pretty cool magic items out of that encounter. Uh, they've also chatted with some pixies and a really old centaur. <laughs> 
TNT. It's so crazy. My Las Vegas table, which is coming up this Monday, they are about to wrap up that second chapter to head over and catch up with the Halifax table. But I have a feeling there's going to be a big showdown with them and Bavlorna. So you'll see that come out as a podcast in the coming weeks. And of course, Vampires and Vitae, this Sunday, we're going to be our third episode back into our main campaign for season two. So that's kind of what we're working on right now. So I'm looking forward to it. So please go ahead and catch Vampires and Vitae today. And why are we on the Wishlight, part of the Wizards and Wine Emporium? Catch it today, wherever you get your podcasts. So from Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassman. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.